When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there, my name is Miles Jupp and I'm just interrupting you as you listen to whatever it is that you actually want to listen to to tell you about the second series of Middle Please Umpire. Middle Please Umpire is a podcast that I, Miles Jupp, if you weren't concentrating when I first introduced myself only moments ago, that's not a criticism, your thoughts are your own and you must focus them wheresoever you yourself choose, host with Mark Wood, the 95 mile an hour bowling, England playing World Cup winning Northumberland hailing cricket lunatic Mark Wood. It's another series of episodes of the two of us talking about cricket and indeed any other stuff that springs to mind both with each other and also with a succession of frankly illustrious guests. We lift the lid on Mark's life as an international sportsman, basically he spends a lot of time icing himself, and take you on a whistle-stop journey through the windmills of his mind. I, a mere fan, listen agog, giggle excitedly and try and draw comparisons with my own rather more mundane existence. All episodes of Middle Please Umpire are available right now from your favourite podcast providers. to this week's very special episode of the Spurs show in association with William Hill, the official betting partner of Tottenham Hotspur. Well, you know, it was a, a, a kind of competition that we always downplay, but it's Friday now. The match programme's just been delivered in the post. I'm now getting excited. I've got cup fever. It's the League Cup final this Sunday. And joining us, three esteemed guests to discuss the game on Sunday. We'll look back, obviously, at the game against Southampton. We'll discuss all the what a tumultuous week it's been uh, in the life of Tottenham Hotspur and us poor suffering fans. Lots to cover. Joining us, returning, Emmanuel Mons back on the show. How are you, Emmanuel? Um, I'm I'm well. My mental health has improved because I haven't um, watched live a Spurs game since Jose took over. Well, I mean, you've basically, as soon as Jose joined, you boycotted your beloved Tottenham. You went, that's it. I can't watch this. Unbelievable. Good to have you back. It's good to be back. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also joining us, your old tennis double partner, yeah. Simon Lipson returns. How are you, Simon? I'm very well, Mike. And, and I'm, I'm as joyful and joyous as uh, Emmanuel about the departure of Mourinho. But ha- having said that, I did, I did kind of 
put myself through the misery of watching every game. Yeah, um, well, and it, it, you know, well, most most of us have. I must say, before I, I I welcome our very special guest, the game against Southampton was the first game this year that I was shouting, screaming at the telly, punching the air. Under Marina, I was just sitting there, just like yeah. oh, whatever. So that's a good yeah. thing. And finally, a man you know who could talk uh, personally about lifting the League Cup trophy, which we're playing for on Sunday. Been on the show many times. We've done a couple of great special shows of them. Were worth checking out. 415 league appearances for Tottenham. 49 goals. He was there from 1965 through to 1980. UEFA Cup winner, League Cup winner. 14th most appearances ever for a Spurs player in our history. And the only Spurs player to this day to wear every outfield number for the club. John Pratt returns. How are you, John? Very well, thank you. Yeah, good to be Lovely here. Lovely to see you. Well done for uh, getting used to the. For those of you at home, we record these via Zoom. Thank, thank God, thing. I've got a daughter. <laughs> <laughs> We're all the same now. I mean, I'm literally on my daughter's laptop because the last few shows, my laptop, I just couldn't sort it out. I'm using a small child's laptop just to to be here today. Well, look, so much to talk about. Um, let, let's very, very quickly, we've got to talk, because since our last show on Monday, I think it was, we had a game against Southampton. John, did you uh, did you see the game uh, on Wednesday, wasn't it, against Southampton? Real game of two halves, wasn't it? Exactly. I mean, I know that's a, a cliche that's used in football, uh, but to be fair, we were quite abysmal Terrible. In, in the first <laughs> half. Uh, well, that, that's for you to say and uh, me to imagine. Um, obviously whether Ryan and Chris, uh, Chris Powell got into them, uh, at half time and said, look, you've got nothing to lose other than a place in the league cup final team. You know, you better get yourselves out, pull your finger out and show a bit of positivity, um, which has been lacking, um, in lots of ways. And, you know, whether you blame the manager or you blame the players, um, I'm one to favour blaming the players uh, rather than the manager. Um, I know he's not too well thought of in the present company, but um, the man was a serial winner uh, and a very bright man. Uh, unfortunately, he, he's th- philosophy is the new word in football, isn't it, about how to play the game isn't in line or in sync with a way Tottenham supporters expect Tottenham to play. Well, what did you feel, John? Because obviously, you know, you're, you're kind of in a different position because you're, you know, you're, you're Tottenham mad through and through. But as an ex-player, you're kind of directly, in, in, indirectly connected to the club, you know, Tottenham Hotspur, PLC. So like certain players, you've got to be careful uh, at times saying things. Certain players are very vociferous on social media. Some are very diplomatic. Um, but as a Spurs fan, when you're watching some of the football that's been served up this season, have, have you found it difficult when, when fans stop you in the street and kind of saying how you feel or, or, or not particularly? Well, I understand. I understand 100% how they feel. Um, as I said just prior, that, uh, you know, the reason why I think we haven't won necessarily as many trophies as we should have done in the past with the, you know, the good sides that we've had is the fact that you have to do things a certain way. You have to win with style being a Tottenham supporter. 
you know, from the Arthur Road days in the early 50s to Bill Nicholson in the 60s to Keith in the early 80s. You know, we have done things with a certain style. Um, for You know, we wouldn't pass the ball back to the goalkeeper because Pat, who's the best goalkeeper I've ever seen, Pat Jennings, he'd kill us if we passed the ball back to him and he couldn't pick it up. Um, you know, why pass the ball back? You know, there's an old saying in football that the reason, you know, why goalkeepers are goalkeepers is because they're crap out on the field. You know, so why keep passing the ball back to the goalkeeper, who, in my opinion, is crap with the distribution? You know, defenders, if they're receiving the ball, they should have already had their body in the way in in, in preparation to pass the next ball. So consequently, um, you know, I can lob the ball up. I should be more accurate passing the ball forward than Hugo Lloris's. Well, I mean, it's funny you, you mentioned Hugo there because obviously Simon, going back to the Southampton game, and, and as John has alluded to, we weren't good at all good the first half. We could have been two, three down if it wasn't for Hugo in the first few minutes. There was an extraordinary double save, especially the second one. The header was, you could argue, where it was. But the, the second one, we could have flung himself. It came off his knee or whatever. Yeah. And then Walker Peters was in and he was off his line for Hugo, I thought, really, really quickly. Uh, and kind of really kept us in the... We were all over the shop in the first half. And that kind of manager bounce and you know, all the press before, the shackles are off, players can now express themselves and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. It wasn't happening that first half, was well, it, Simon? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's fantasy, that. The, the idea is suddenly the, the shackles are off and you're, gonna, you're suddenly going to be great players and there's the flair and, and the fantasy is going to come back. You know, and the it's in, interesting because I was piddling around on Twitter during the match. And after 13 minutes, someone tweeted, same old shit. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, and I tweeted back, you know, it's only 13 minutes. I mean, I, was, I expected 18 minutes, someone would say, same old shit, you know. But I, I do think, and I, then I, I actually subsequently tweeted that, you know, we've been with Mourinho for 16 months, thereabouts. And we've somehow become a, a turgid negative side that's trying not to lose most of the time rather than going out and trying to win. And you can't just turn that around in five seconds. It doesn't work that way. These players have been playing, in my in my view, uh, in straitjackets. And there's like sort of muscle memory. You know, you get the ball, you're going to play it to the side. It, it, there's that rhythm. The whole business, you know, I know Ndombele is now getting a lot of stick and I, I stand by him. I think he's a player of immense ability. But he's be become a player who's playing deep, playing short, you know, little sideways and backwards passes when we all know he can go past people. We all know he can play killer passes. But he's, to me, it feels as though he's been discouraged from doing that. And having seen Delhi <laughs> marginalised, you know, stuck on the naughty step forever, for, for one flick, seemingly, you know, players are not going to start trying stuff. But it was interesting in the, towards the end of the second half, when we were, in fact, when we got ahead, we were still pressing. We were still pushing it up in their half. And it's fascinating, isn't it, watching a team uh, being uh, effective, playing in the other team's half. Because, it, frankly, if we're going to concede a late equaliser or a late, you know, uh, winner to an, another team, well, then... I'd rather we were doing that trying to play in their half because, as we've proven, you know, we when we were defending, certainly in the in the later days of Mourinho, and we were hunkering down, trying not to let a goal in, we let a goal in, right? 
So let's let a goal in when we're attacking. Um, and then that way, at least you feel as though, okay, we were trying, we weren't playing not to lose. We were playing to, to, to win this game. Yeah. I mean, Emmanuel, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, I know you, you, you said that you, and we, we can go into your reasons now, why you wouldn't watch Hunter Mourinho. What was interesting about the Southampton game and, and Ryan Mason, who again, any of you have been on this, uh, uh, haven't listened to the show he did with us back in 2018, urge you, you really get the insight of the man, really worth listening to that show we did with him. What was interesting, and, and you know, Mason's very inexperienced. He's been coaching, you know, sort of academy level and I know Chris Powell's there more experienced Ledley's there as well uh, but not much experience not one who can draw on hours and hours of football what was interesting in the second half uh, Emmanuel when we could all see it he was on the touchline literally urging us to press forward in the last third of the pitch really simple thing that all of us that do at home shout go push up but in just simple things football should be a simple game when it comes to you know, trying to put the ball in it and how are you going to put the ball in it? And just seeing that as a Spurs fan was lovely to see a coach on the touchdown urging us forward as opposed to the old stick back, no, stay, stay, don't don't cross the halfway line, all the usual hand signals we, we see from there. Yeah. No, no look, I, I, I think, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time, I think, for the, <laughs> for the new philosophy to seep through. Yeah, look, he's got six games. Ryan Mason's got six games to get us into Europe, you know. It, it, well, uh, actually, let's just talk Let's just t- talk about that. Um, do we really want to get into Europe? And by that, I mean, do we want to get into the Europa Conference League? Um, so there's the rather sort of, um, uh, you, you know, maybe um, a negative view I have is that actually, obviously, you want to win a cup. But if we win a cup, if we win the cup on, on Sunday, we qualify for the European, you know, Europa Conference. Unless we finish top six. If we finish fifth or sixth, then we'll be in the Europa League. Well, yeah. I'd, I'd say the odds of us finishing fifth or sixth are pretty remote, to be to be blunt. I mean, you know, obviously the you know the disaster scenario is we lose, lose the cup final, we finish seventh, and then we qualify for the Europa Conference League. So, um, yeah, so... And, it's almost a competition that's been designed for us to enter from the UK, you know, where all the other fans can chortle. Um, but but look, you're, you're right. It, w- it will be a breath of fresh air for the last six games and whoever takes over, I, I think. And just to, just on John John's point in terms of Mourinho being a serial winner, it's almost the equivalent of saying, listen, wouldn't it be great if we actually could um, re-sign Gary Lineker and Glenn Hoddle because they were fantastic footballers and scored lots of goals. Um, he's had his time, and as has been proved. So he, he, he was very successful in the past. The reality is he wasn't successful in the last few games, you know, the last few teams he managed. Despite you know winning a few cups with with Manchester United, he was truly hated there, and he did exactly to the you know to that club what he's done to ours in terms of the players. Mm, interesting. I mean, John, I'd like to actually ask this because there's been a lot in the papers about certain players happy to see him go. I mean, this is all speculation. This is all paper talk. Certain players not happy to see him go. Some of the younger players that he's he's nurtured. Now, obviously, you and I'm not, and I'm certainly not putting Terry Neal in the same breath as Jose Mourinho. But you went from being, from the beginning, 
being managed and coached by Bill Nicholson to Bill Nick deciding to, to go in 74, Terry Neal coming in, all that going on. And then after Terry Neal, you then had a bit like we've taken someone from the from the coaching setup. Keith Berkershaw came in, who was a coach with the, the reserves. You know, you could see slight parallels to Ryan, obviously far more experience than Ryan Mason. What's it like as a player when you have to adapt. You might have been a favourite with someone. Someone else comes in. Uh, they have a new philosophy. How quickly do, can players adapt to that? Well, we were lucky in the sense that um, we had a very good skipper in Steve Perriman. Um, we had, uh, if you like, for the want of a better word, bread and butter players on the uh, on the physical side of things and effort, etc. But when Terry Neal came, he was great for Steve Perriman and he was great for me, you know, because, dare I say, there were far better players than me and Stevie at the time playing in, in midfield, Martin Peters, Alan Mullery, et cetera. Um, that's before the Glenn Oddles came along in the world. Um, and he said to Steve Perriman, Steve, when you were 15 playing for England schoolboys, you were one of the best passers of the ball, not only in schoolboy football, but in any football. Pass the ball. And he said to me, he said, get in the penalty area, shoot a goal and score me some goals. I know you're going to run back, but go and do that. The, the Terry Neal year, I think I got about 13 goals in in the in the league. And Stevie went back to being, if you like, instead of gophers, getting the ball and give it to you know, better mm. players at the time than us, or perceived to be better players. And, you know, we scored goals. We also had, did have a meeting, much to our detriment, where we said, look, forget about, just nod your heads when Tell says anything to you. We've, this is the way we're going to play. You know, this is what we perceive things to be because it's the Tottenham way. You know, and we were reasonably successful. We got the League Cup semi-final, which we got cheated out of, uh, up at Newcastle, and we ended up eighth in the league. You know, and then... Uh, he went, he went to Arsenal, which if I was manager of Arsenal and Tottenham asked me to come and manage them, I would do exactly the same thing. You know, and, and Berkey was very, very good in listening to people. And I think he's, his own thoughts were, when he was the assistant manager, was that uh, he had bought into the way Bill Nicholson and all those people before Bill wanted to play the game, the game that use all like seeing, you know, creativity as well as the effort side of it. You know, and that's what's putting the team together. You know, in the later years, Stevie and I, if you like, went back a little bit into being the gophers for getting the ball and giving it to Glenn and Ozzy. Well, that ain't too bad a you know <laughs> an idea to do, is it? You know, because we were better we were better at defending and winning the ball than Glenn and Ozzy were and they obviously were far better in the productive area of the game than we were. Mm, that's interesting. I mean, Simon, and the other thing as well that, that I think is a really positive thing, you know, Ryan Mason was there, you know, grown up at Tottenham with with uh, certainly Harry Kane. I mean, he's played with a lot of them. So, I mean, he's, he's not only is he now, he knows 
intimately a lot of these these players, which could be a, a, a good thing. So may I know every football club eventually gets the little cliques, the little dress rooms, whether it's a a, a, a country thing or, or or whatever. But you think now that kind of togetherness that well we know it wasn't there because Hugh Lloris said that togetherness is gone. There's schisms in the dressing room. He actually said it to the press after the awful Zagreb capitulation. You think that would be better? And I know we had we had um, Rob Easton and Simon Greenberg on the show last week, and they both went or. Oh, what chance we had of winning the League Cup now, I think, under Mourinho, serial winner, can win Cup finals, I think has been lessened now. I actually disagree. I think that bounce of that all in it together with the same age, come on, let's do it. Do you think that might help on Sunday? Yeah, it's interesting that. I mean, it's pretty clear from what people have said, you know, apparently from within the club, you know, he's well-liked, he's, he's admired, he's somebody who has got personal, uh, you know, goes back years with people like Harry. Um, and I, that counts for something. It's hard to it's hard to know in, in tangible terms what that will mean. But if you've got somebody who is generally bringing the group together, I mean, I, I was arguing all the time under Mourinho that he, he's, he's a divisive character. So, so what you need in a team, it's obvious, seems to me, is you need cohesion. You need unity of purpose. You need... Which Pochettino obviously had and instilled for a while. Uh, well, he, that was, he absolutely epitomised that. And, and so you could see that in the players. You could see that they were all pulling for each other and playing for each other. So the question is whether... I mean, Mason is does come across as a very level-headed, calm, intelligent guy, but he's 29. He's never managed before. So you have to question whether he has the authority, really, to, to bring all of these people together. Um, some of them he won't have known or come up through the, the ranks with. So it, it's, it's, it'll be an, it's an interesting dynamic. But I agree with you that um, going into a final, we've had a good second half against... Southampton. So, you know, we've got a little bit of, a tiny bit of forward momentum. There's a question mark over what kind of team City will put out given they've got PSG coming up. Probably set slightly. They've got PSG Wednesday. They've yeah. already said their first tee, first choice keeper won't be playing. De Bruyne, I'd be amazed yeah. they'll risk him because he's been out. I mean, it'll still be a very, very strong 11. Stones is suspended. Well, yeah. you know, their their second eleven is their second eleven is as good as, as good as most people's first. So we we know that. Um, but at the, at the same time, you know, they lost to, to Chelsea the other week. They they're not infallible, and it just on the day. I don't know. It's if if we can maintain that momentum, if we can start to get a tune out of people like Ndombele. Uh, and if and of course there's the Harry question. I'm, I'm assuming he won't be playing. We've heard nothing really. Well, I think he. I mean, the, the, the talk of. I mean, we're recording this on uh, Friday afternoon. The talk was he did train a bit yesterday. Oh, did he? Right. Yeah. He okay. he, he certainly uh, was at the Southampton game. And okay, you can only see one. He was certainly. I don't think he was wearing a protective boot. Emmanuel, obviously, if he starts on Sunday, Harry Kane at Wembley with the extraordinary record he's got. Surely we're in with a shout then, aren't we? Um. <laughs> if, I, no. if I could be if I could be really honest the team that I've watched most this season is Man City and I watched them against Aston Villa and I accept that that's their strongest team and they're unlikely to put their strongest team out against us um but they are I mean there are a number of levels above us uh, you know to be to be to be frank and um even with Harry on the pitch I'm not sure we're going to see enough of the ball to to make use of him 
Uh, and actually, the one other thing I'd question is, you know, Harry wants to be careful. Obviously, he's you know he's got the Euros coming up, uh, and he, he clearly he clearly w- won't want to. He clearly. He clearly won't want to, um, uh, you know, sort of injure himself or cause further, you know, um, further injury. So um, my, my, you know, my honest belief is I, I think, yes, obviously strange things have happened. But but I'd say we are, you know, the underlog, underdogs, you know, very, very, you know, by a heavy margin. Yeah, I mean, John, you know, you've, you've you know, we just said over 400 league appearances for Spurs. You've played many, many games, uh, especially in that sort of 70s uh, era where, We've got into games underdogs. You've got a result. What what will the players and the coaches be saying before you run out at Wembley? What, what do you think the last sort of rallying call will be being? Obviously, they're going to be looking at individual City players. We all know what City players can do. There's nothing surprising that you're going to come. You know how good they are. They can pass you to death. Um, what do you think will, will be said just before the game? We went back to, if you like, to the uh, Puticini era where we pressed in the second half of the uh, the last game, the Southampton game. And, you know, I've, I've been assistant manager at Tottenham and coaches, and what you want to do is you say, I'd, if it had been the other way around, we were great in the first half and crap in the second half. Yeah, you know, I mean, I might be, let's have a think about this. But you saw, you know, the pudding's already been baked. The second half, I think we would all say, was a pretty good, you know, effort. And I would say, well, look, all the things you did good on that thing, remember this second off, all these psychologists, what they do. I mean, I remember when we first had one, John Sayers, um, he said, think about your best goal you scored. You know, what did you do? How was you feeling? And that's what psychologists do, I think. I don't know, really. I thought it was a load of crap. I didn't need people, <laughs> I didn't need people to tell me whether I was good, bad or indifferent. You know what I mean? It's, um, but having said that, a lot of boys, and I respect their opinion, you know, Clive Allen, Mark Falco, et cetera, they all got something out of it. And if you only get a marginal piece out of it, I think come Sunday, we've got to adapt the same principle that we played in the second half, press people, don't keep passing the ball back, pass the ball forward. Um, I mean, Nendembele, if that's the way you say his name, um, he's going to knock himself out getting in his car one day, and he? he sells so many dummies, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Um, I love watching him. I just wish he was playing for someone else, um, to be honest. With you. Um, but come if the hour, come if the man. Um, he certainly, as you rightly said, Simon, he can go past people without thinking about it. He's a strong little sod. The only thing is, he goes down like nine pins if he gets touched, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, it might be a good thing if you can win us some uh, free kicks in around the box. Uh, free kicks is a whole whole other podcast. <laughs> some of the free kicks this season, Dyer, yeah. Kane, I don't know what's going on. I mean, we really need a out-and-out free kick taker back at that club. Um, We've got anyway. Bale, yeah, well, Bale, Bale, well exactly. Kick. I mean, yeah. is it, why isn't he taking free kicks? Anyway, let's go to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to just remind everyone of the road to Wembley. Uh, we'll also talk about the managerial situation, latest odds there. Back after this short break. And we're back for the break. Don't forget, this season we are in association with William Hill, the official betting partner of Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Here are some latest odds for you. Uh, We are obviously underdogs. Uh, Currently, we are 11-2 to 
to win in 90 minutes, uh, which yeah, for two horse race says, you know, uh, how, how difficult it's going to be for us on Sunday. But if you think we could just lift the trophy and that could be through extra time and penalties, we're 11 to 4 to lift the trophy at some stage. Sun is 15 to 2 to get the first goal. Bell and Kane are both 5 to 1 to score the first goal. If you think the game will go all the way, Spurs to win on penalties. 12 to 1. I think that's 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 not bad. I, I could I, I've got a feeling it's gonna to go to extra time. Um and just very quickly, the managerial betting is obviously changing every day. This this is gonna depress some of you. The new favourite, uh, uh according to all the bookmakers, and, and William Hill will give you five to two, the new favourite to take over next season, Maurizio Sari, the ex-Chelsea manager. There's been lots of money on him. Nagelsmann has now gone out to four to one. And that really is with the news that it's going to cost Daniel Levy £17 million to get him to break his uh, contract. Ten Hag of Ajax has come in. He's now eight to one. Uh, Rogers at Leicester, big win for them last night, eight to one. Scotty Parker, eight to one. Then you've got Santos, the Wolves manager at tens. Eddie Howe, ex-Bournemouth, who no compensation to pay there. Tens, uh, Graham Potter at Brighton is 12-1. to 1, And Ryan Mason to keep the job next season, 12-1. to 1. John, um, some of those odds, I don't know if you're a betting man or not, but... Um, any, I'm not, no. You're but, not, OK. But I mean... No, but I, yeah, I understand the betting. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, 11-2 to 2 to win 90 minutes. Clearly, we're, we're pretty decent outsiders to turn them over. Well, well that's like five and a half to one, isn't it? You know, yeah. If they're that much better than us, it should be twenty to one mm. for us to win. Now, I think we've got to, we've got to adopt the Man City philosophy about they win the ball back like Barcelona. Yeah. Pep said Barcelona in so many seconds, six seconds, I think it was. You've got to win the ball back, mm. and for all their ability, technical ability and passion that they play with, that's what they do. They work hard. And, you know, sometimes it's a little bit of a, a nasty word, all that working hard. But, and rightly said earlier on in the piece, you said, like, playing in their half of the field. You know, it, the ball's got to go a long way before we can see the goal, hasn't it? You know, in some cases. John, who would your, uh, your uh, favourite back... I mean, I'm just thinking uh, Aguero, Jesus. I know sometimes they've played Man City this season effectively without a striker. Who would your... If, if all fit, and I think Davis is still out, Ben Davis still not fit, who would your back four be on, on Sunday if, if, you, if you were taking the team? Well, throw one out there. I can't say pronounce his name very well. He comes from Acne, Jeff... Uh, uh, Tanganga. I think he's an excellent player. You know, he was put in and then he was left out as if he, when he get, you know, when we lost, it was his fault. Mm. You know, he's quite a good player. I think he's an extremely good player and he could play in a number of positions. I mean, for a long time now, because um, sometimes Ben gets done by a little bit, by a bit of pace, I would have played Ben Davis as one of the double centre halves mm. because he plays there for Wells. That's right. He's, he's a good editor of the ball. And like Toby, there's occasions when he does, he says, right, I've got to put my foot through the ball. Yeah. You can't score in Rose Ed, you know, but with some of the others, they want to play. Sanchez wants to play. Aurea wants to play. Um, I mean, the young boy, I don't know if he's going to be a good centre-off or not. Rodon, yeah. You know, but he passes the ball back more times to the goalkeeper than 
you know, some some of the, the opposing players do. It's just that concentration, isn't it, John? This season, there's so many individual errors. I mean, even the Southampton game, uh, Ings, who I think is a wonderful striker, love to see him at Tottenham. He just got ahead of Aurier. Aurier switched off for a millisecond. He was ahead of him, little jack header, one nil down. I mean, this is the worry, isn't it, with some of these defenders? To be fair, Mike, that our defending inadequacies could be solved in five minutes because we're all ball watching. It's a 45 degree angle of where the body should be. Mm. You know, there's, there's certain principles of play in football that will never go away. And one is the ball player, you, the goal. But we turn and we don't see the opponent behind. How many times have we got caught with people scoring in between the players? No one marks. You know, always want to, everyone wants to be spare. No, get your body in the right position, job done. Take 10 minutes on the training pitch. Yeah. So Mourinho's coaching staff, I don't know if they had a defensive coaching staff. I mean, the present one, we should do all right with Nigel Gibb. And That's right, Gibb's in there as well. And and, and, Led, and Ledley's in there as well. I mean, if anyone could teach centre-backs how to defend. Well, yeah, well, I mean, you know, he, he was a decent player, weren't he? Yeah. So, uh, and to be fair, I don't think we've got anyone in Ledley's class you know, at this moment in time. Yeah. Simon, who 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 would you kind of think uh, about? I mean, this is, I mean, um, Mourinho's last game, that was the 17th different defenders, defensive partnership. So clearly, let's be honest, the reason Jose left his, lost his job, really, you've got to look at the defence, the games we were losing, which kind of put pay to Pochettino as well. Mourinho was coming, the first thing he was told to do was sort the defence out. He didn't. Can, can, you know, we've got six games left in the league, I think, League Cup final. Can they just get a tune out of four players for the next few games? It did seem that the, the Southampton game, Rodon obviously is, is, is cup tidy. He can't can't play in the final anyway. Is that right? I think you might be right. Certainly it was in Europe. It seemed to me that that, you know, that selection against Southampton was probably designed to, to sort of start gelling ahead of the final. So I would, I'm expecting him to... You know, Ori at the right, uh, Regan on left, and then the Dyer and uh, Toby in the middle. I mean, I, I, I love Tanganga. I think he's a great player, but he's just not had a chance to settle in a position. He's not had a chance, not had really had a run of games. So I can't see him being anywhere other than on the bench. So I, I, that that would be the back for you. I mean, you're absolutely right. There was, um, I don't know what the stats have, were, but he, just Mourinho couldn't settle on a back four. So we had Sanchez in and out, Dyer in and out. We had Rodon sort of belatedly making an appearance and showing some real promise, actually. Tanganga in and out. And then he couldn't decide. It seemed to me Regulon and Davis, he, he tend to play Davis when we needed to, you know, when we were really hunkering down and defending and Regulon when he, when he, you know, theoretically we were a little bit more forward-facing. Um, so I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to know because all of them, it seems to me, are fallible. You know, they're, they've all got a mistake in them. Um, Aurier probably more than most, as, we, as we've seen. You know, he's, he's, he's liable to have a, 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 you know, a brain freeze and something will happen either defensively or in terms of his discipline. And then Toby is the class act there, but clearly slowing. Uh, Dyer seems to lose men. I think Dyer's pretty decent on the ball, but he, he loses his man too often. And Regulon is, I love Regulon, but I, my sense about him is that he's, 
he's a very good player, but he's not going to be a great player. Yeah, def- defensively. I think going forward defensively. I mean, Emmanuel, I mean, you said you, you probably watched Man City more than... Well, you have watched Man City more than Tottenham season. They're so quick in and around the box and quick feet. And my concern is... You know, dire training leg, a Sanchez training leg. You know, if you, you're going get, to get have a flutter, I'd have, I'd have a bet on a penalty on Sunday, maybe e- e- either side. That's the kind of worry, isn't it? But then saying that, you'd imagine the players like Toby, Eric being there a long time, they are des- and rightly so desperate to win a trophy with the lily white shirt on. You know, it's a cup final. Cup final's there for big players, surely. He's got to play his big experienced men oh yeah look, look I, th- I think I think you know I echo what Simon said it's I think it's pretty clear that the you know the, the back four that he had against Southampton is the back four that he's going to play um, I think he needs you know uh, he needs Aurier for you know just simply for speed purposes because Sterling is going to play and, and let's be honest Sterling has a lot to prove a lot to prove to Pep and also to, to Southgate because you know he's basically you know his stars wait you know, and there's real issues in terms of whether he's, you know, he's certainly not in the England starting eleven any longer. He's not in a Manchester City starting eleven. So um, I, I think, you know, one of the challenges will be trying to control Sterling. Hence, Aurea will be there. And look, we all know that, you know, Aurea does make mistakes. Um, I, I think, you know, I think the, you know, the the other point I think that uh, you know John made, which is about sort of concentration levels. The issue with Man City is they have the ball so much they're constantly probing. And the moment we turn off, you know, there's there's potential catastrophe. John, the other thing I think we've we, we've lacked so much this season, in the middle, someone who can hold on to the ball. Uh, you know, obviously a creative midfielder, Giovanni Lo Celso, been in and out. To me, hasn't done enough. It was very frustrating again against Southampton. A blasted one over the bar earlier. I know it was much more, but to me, it doesn't do enough. We've since Ericsson's gone, who could hold the ball, turn little passes, a bit like Modric was, almost like a sort of metronome pendulum, just moving players around. We've we've really lacked that, haven't we? And we've got we've got big players. We've got Sissoko, Holbeer in there, big players. To be fair, Mike, I don't think Ericsson could be putting the same classes. No. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, he went missing too many times. Mm. And if you're going to go missing, you might I'd have Deli Alley in there. You know, when we make substitutions, you know, we've got um, the other midfield player, the ex-Southampton player. Holbier, yeah. Yeah, who's an excellent player in that position. You don't need to bring Harry Winks on or you don't need to bring Suzoka on because we've already got one of them. You know, if you're going to take Nandabelli off, bring... Alion, you know, because he's got that little bit of flair because we want him to play that little bit further f- forward. You want him in a big game. You need these players that can, look, to, to beat Man City, we've got to pull, put the ball in the net, put what, at least twice, at least twice, probably three times. So you want players on the pitch that can do it. In recent times, you've seen their back four get caught, you know. All right, so Stones won't be playing, but he's, I think he's an extremely good footballer. But they all, because they've got this inner confidence in their own ability, they dwell on the ball. And that's where we've got to use the place of, say, Lucas and Song, who, to be fair, does go missing on the old tackling bit. That He runs past people at a pace, but bless him, he does score some goals. And it's not so much what we think, it's what the other team think. And if they look and see he scored all these goals, and particularly if Harry, Harry heals very well and he, he wants to play. That's the beauty about Harry Kane. He wants to play. 
I know it's a cup final, albeit I know everyone demises the uh, the League Cup, and nine times out of ten, the people that do that have never played in one. So um, <laughs> you know, Mickey Mouse, a Mickey Mouse Club Cup, yeah. How many times you played in the final? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Give give us a give us a quick score prediction, John. What's your feeling? What what do you think is going to happen on Sunday? The reality of it is, I think we will probably lose three one, uh, but my heart wants it to be two one in our favour. I think it can be because you know if we compete and stop them playing football the way they're going to stop us playing football because they'll they'll have the ball. Do a role, role reversal on them, and what do you got to lose? It's ninety minutes. It's one game. It's a cup final. You know, it's not playing in the European leagues at all. Whichever happens in the league games, it's a one-off. Go for it. And as we all agree, we've got players. You know, I've been derogatory to them, but you don't play for Tottenham Hotspur and not be a decent player. Um, so go out there and show us. You know what made Tottenham Hotspur buy him? Quite right, Simon. What? Give us a quick score prediction. What's your feeling for Sunday? Uh, my head says City. Uh, my heart also says City. So um, <laughs> hey. the needs to shut up now. Um, look, I, you know, I, I agree with John. I, I think wh- what I would hate for us to do is to is to get ahead. You know, do what we were doing oh, under Jose. So, get oh. ahead and then think we can hold a team like City. I mean, I know we did it. We did it in the early days of. Uh, the early part of this season. But that increasingly became, you know, the exception to the rule. And the rule was we we hunkered down and still conceded. So for me, you know, we have to, you know, we've, we've got players who can play. And Harry can score against anybody. Sonny's got a great record uh, scoring great against record. City. Those Champions League goals. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, um, oh, come on. I'm, I'm just going to go for a bit of optimism here. Um, we're going to... We're going to win it on pens. There you oh, go. Oh, there you go. Well, I don't think hard to take it. Emmanuel, <laughs> what do you reckon? Um, so I think, I think it actually, believe it or not, a fairly good result would be a 2-0 defeat. So we only lose <laughs> by two. Um, I'm, I'm nervous that it could be more. I, I, I've got this awful feeling that it will be, the City will score fairly early. They'll add another one. And it will just subside into, you know, a, a game where we're just pushing and pushing, but but never really penetrate. So um, I just, yeah, I just, I just find it hard to hard to believe we we can do something. Clutching at straws, we have scored four and five goals against. Them. Yeah, in recent years. Yeah, we have. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to just give a bit of a history lesson to remind people. The last time in the League Cup final was 2015 against Mourinho's Chelsea. If you remember, we started really, really well. I think we were ahead and they got back in the game. We lost and it was a bit frustrating. We just weren't good enough. 2008, we played Chelsea again. Uh, Absolute underdogs that day. We went a goal down. We were here we go again. And the second half, much better. We got the penalty, Berbatov. We did it in extra time. 2002, Cardiff. We're absolute favourites. Glenn Hoddle's Blackburn. There was no way we were losing that game. We were awful. We lost. Admittedly, we had a, a perfectly good goal disallowed. I was showing him a blatant penalty not given. Uh, 99, awful game. League Cup. Uh, 82, obviously, Liverpool played well that day. Uh, got done um, in extra time after leading, not holding on to the lead. Do you remember Stevie Archibald? One up, couldn't hold on. Whelan. 
Uh, and then obviously John's era, 73 were absolute favourites against Norwich. But, you know, only to, only goal from Ralphie Coates. And 71, John was in the team, but uh, was in the, uh, obviously the club, but not the team. 71, Villa, who were in the then third division. Uh, it was tough until the second half. To me, to me, finals all about big players, and I think we've got just as many big match winners as Man City have. I think if Sun hits form, Kane is fit and plays, Delhi gets uh, look. Gareth Bale, Gareth Bale's won pretty much everything he can. It, certainly, when it comes to European football and Spanish football, I think we're going to do them three-two in extra time. There we are, a little bit of positivity. And I, yes, I have been drinking solidly since eleven o'clock this morning. Very, very quickly, because there's so much to talk about, and I know a lot of fans will want your take on it. Uh, this time last week, we were talking Tottenham had entered the European Super League. In Within 24 hours, we'd left the European Super League. There was a small demonstration uh, outside the gate, uh, ground against Southampton. Uh, I know, John, you, you know, you're not, you're not um, a, a, a director at Spurs, but you know them all relatively well from your time at the club. How do you think that would be repaired, the fact that we've... The club are trying to do something without any consultation with the fans, something the fans weren't happy with, a competition where there was no actual competition. It wasn't a, you get promoted to this. It was this quite bizarre uh, money-making tournament. What, what, what are your take? What's your view on it? Well, the strange thing about it is, is that, uh, I mean, I've sort of heard on the television Sky Sport that uh, they want sanctions taken against uh, the people that were involved in this. So John Henry, you know, the Arsenal man, the Arabs from Man City. I mean, there's, I think there's only one English fellow, and that's Joe Lewis, and he has nothing to do with running the club. You know, what... What are they going to do? What are they going to go to them? So we'll take your billions out of the club. You know, to be fair, I don't, I understand the frustration of supporters, but if we win the cup on Sunday, you know, the 62,000 people will not be able to wait long enough to get in that stadium and cheer us on next season. You know, um, unfortunately, what, what's happened, it appears, I mean, I played in America for three years and every league or every sport that they, they're involved in, there's no relegation and promotion. You know, they have the Western League, the Eastern League, you know, the Eastern Conference, basketball, baseball, American football, even MLS. There's no relegation and promotion, you know, which is where the institutionalised, which is right, you know, I mean, people used to say to me, yo, we haven't won at Liverpool's for 75 years. I said, well, for 62 of those, they were in the second division. Mm. <laughs> you know, and they came up in 1960 with Leighton Orient. Yeah. And my dad used to play with the Orient before the war as an amateur. Yeah. So I watched more games in that year than ever, you know. So, you know, it's, um, how can I put it? They, they can't. I don't see how they can sanction these people. You know, I don't know how they can say, well, then Daniel Levy's got to, you know, be released. You know, everyone at Newcastle's moaned about Mike Ashby. He's put 250 million of his own money in Newcastle. You know, he, with the people we're dealing with now, who are billionaires, it's like West Ham are doing fantastically well. 
you know. Um, but to be fair, Golden Sullivan can't live with all the Arab people that are coming into the club, the American people that are coming in the club, you know. Dare I say, you know, Indian. I mean, India have got more billionaires than any other country in the world, I'm led to believe. But, you know, the, the money men are always going to be there. But I think with this European thing is they didn't think it through because most of the minds were set in the way that their leagues are run in America. No, you're right. Simon, it was so badly conceived, wasn't it? I think that is that is one of the issues. What's your take on the way the club have handled it and the kind of non-apology uh, that then came out? We regret this. The, uh, and the ironic line, uh, we, we we don't believe in standing still. We'll tell that to fans who uh, we didn't sign anyone for two transfer windows. How's that for standing still, not buying players? And you could argue that the club, football-wise, is where we are now because of the inactivity of the board. What's your views? Well, it was such a fundamental misunderstanding of, of how football fans think and feel, you know, relegation, promotion, competition, the dream. I mean, we we lived the dream in, in 2018. We're in a sort of a, you know, a, a not a great team getting all the way to the Champions League final. And the, the romance of that, the glory of that, it was spectacular. But, you know, holding our own against City and Ajax and uh, Barcelona. And to... to in, in, that's a stroke to kind of say, well, that's not going to happen anymore. We, we're just going to do we're, our little elite, our little club. We're just going to stay here and play each other to death and make a fortune. You think it, it's it completely, they didn't read the room at all. And in terms of the, you know, we, everyone was sitting, looking at Twitter thinking, you know, when are we going to pull out? Because Chelsea did and City yeah, did. Man and then City, finally... Yeah. It was almost at eleven grudging. p.m. at night. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was almost grudging, and the, the the statement was so disappointing. I just wanted him to do what Arsenal did, and you know, far be it from me to, to praise Arsenal. They just apologised. Sorry, we got this wrong. We're wrong. Um, but, but instead, as you say, he was saying, "Oh, you know, we we regret the anxiety we caused, but actually, we thought this was a great idea, really, because you know the money was going to trickle down. The money wasn't going to trickle down; it was all going into their pockets, um, and it was to, to not recognise that the the thing you do in that situation is say, "Sorry, we got it wrong. Can we move on? <laughs> At least you, you've shown some contrition." And and. But I think as John John really is saying there, what what happens next? Do you unless you can get some kind of fan involvement, you know, as they do in Germany with, you know, a majority ownership of of fans, which I think is remote here, because um, you're asking billionaires to part with their ownership and control of of, of companies that control football clubs. Um, what do you do? Be careful what you wish for, because if someone buys out Enoch. It'll be another Enoch, because <laughs> you know, so, they're the only people who can afford it, and and they'll have the same kind of motivations and the same kind of targets, which is to run successful businesses and to exploit and those make businesses money. for yeah. all they're worth, which is what the ELS was, uh, the ESL was all about. And at some point, you, we all know this is going to raise its ugly head again in some other way, in some other format, and ultimately. Um, we probably as fans have to get our heads around the fact that things, you know, the, the status quo will not not always be, you know, it won't be retained. It's Something's going to change and we may not like it and we may just have to live with it. 
Emmanuel, what's your take on it? Because the other thing, again, if there was a guarantee that whatever this, because it will come back in some kind of form, I'm sure. If there was a guarantee that money would then be invested on the pitch, but with no relegation and promotion, you could argue that if I was Tottenham's owner, well, all the fans want me to buy this player, that player, that player. Why? We're, we're, we're in this every season. We seem to be doing all right. We finished seventh, eighth every season, this mini European league. I'm bringing X money into the club. It's going on this. Oh, we've got our youth policies better. I've brought this one in. There's still no guarantee that it's going to improve the club. Yeah, I, I, look, I think I think the important point to realise is, you know, I think Simon alluded to this, is the genie's out of the bottle now in terms of, you know, it, it, so it won't be the European Super League in the format that they've, that they've you know, they discussed. And they did, you know, they, they made a mistake in terms of this sort of promotion and relegation. I think if they come back with a revised tournament whereby there is promotion and relegation, where, for example, um, they're, uh, you know, they also have a guaranteed a, a percentage of turnover that that finds its way down to the lower leagues. So you actually you you can actually show the footballing public no, it is benefiting the smaller clubs. Um, there's a number of things that they that, that they suggested which do make perfectly good sense, such as salary caps. I mean, let's be honest. You know, going forward, you cannot keep playing paying more and more, um, given that the you know. The, the the amount that's being charged to watch football matches is sort of capped out now. And, you know, there's issues with the broadcasters, how much they're willing to pay. The reality is that football, you know, football clubs, you know, certainly large football clubs are non-viable in a financial sense, in a term, you know, in terms of making, making some sort of profit or even breaking even. So there has to be a way in which that changes. And so to put in, you know, or to give, teeth to financial fair play and you actually say no no you cannot run at a 100 million 200 million 300 million loss every year because i've got a billionaire owner or because a country funds you i think you know let's be honest it's not competitive at the moment spurs are not really you know what why do you think chelsea and man city bailed first they didn't bail first because they didn't think it was a good idea. They bailed first because actually they have the competitive advantage at the moment. And that's why PSG were not didn't sign up, because they have a competitive advantage. These teams, money's, you know, spending and losing money, it's no object for them. See, Tottenham has to be self-sufficient. Joe Lewis doesn't put any money into the club. That's yeah, fine. Look, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, I know Joe you're Joe right. Lewis, who's the money behind it, doesn't say, oh, well, yeah, I mean, Abramovich. I mean, years ago, when before Alan Sugar took over the club, you know, we were going to get wound up, you know, because we were twenty million pound in the red. Amstrad wrote a cheque for twenty million and got us, but they were going to do uh, do Chelsea. It were ninety million in the red, but they didn't because Abramovich went ninety million. There you go. Thank you very much. And all was forgotten, you know. So this is, I think, where us as Tottenham people have got to be. Um, a little bit careful in what you wish is the sense that, you know, for whatever they, does Daniel Lee, you know, did Daniel actually know a decent footballer from another one? No. I mean, in our present climate, the person I don't even know who he is, who is our recruitment officer, should be shot. <laughs> Not just sacked, he should be shot. You know, because you're paying all this money out uh, for what? For us. You know, 75 million, uh, 65 million is a lot of money, as it would be for a lot of clubs. 
But the Man United, uh, sorry, well, not even Man United, but the Real Madrids and the Barcelonas, I mean, Real Madrid have been bailed out by the by the Spanish government two or three times. You know, not a Barcelona have, I don't think, but they, when you're playing some, someone like well, they, Real Madrid were playing, you know, Ronaldo and they're playing Messi, aren't they? Barcelona, you know, he ain't going to stay there because he's not getting enough money. But, you know, it's, I think us, the Spurs, you know, all these other, Kronker does, is notified by everything. Whereas Joe just goes, look, hey, yeah, I'm a golf man, I'm a racing man, and he comes from the East End from where I've come from, you know, and he says, well, like, you know, I'm enjoying this, but yet everything's got to be worked out. And that's why I've got the utmost admiration for Daniel in lots of ways in the sense that, you know, the refinancing of all the stadium, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not a mathematician or a businessman or any shape or form, but we've managed to do it. Yeah, we've got this fantastic stadium. All we've got to do now is perhaps plough a little bit more money into getting one of the best teams. Yeah, absolutely. Look, guys, we're kind of running out, and obviously we've covered so much. Very quickly, those odds I gave you, go to williamhill.com if you haven't already downloaded the app. Check out the website and the app for all the enhanced prices and the build-up to kick off for premium content, including a daily news Spurs show, explains views, and original documentary series really really good if you haven't got time to scroll through everything on the internet and all the papers especially if you're overseas we do it for you go to patreon.com slash spurs show follow us on facebook twitter and instagram please leave us a nice review on itunes next tuesday we've got the screenwriter jeff pope returns paula hewitt and Stuart maester uh john simon emmanuel thank you so can just, much can i just say one quick one please do I think it was in the early, uh, no, the mid mid seventies. Terry Venables wrote a book called "They Used to Play on Grass," AstroTurf pitches, and one of his final things was a European league. Yeah. No, look, I think I think we all agree it's absolutely going to happen. I mean, if you look at the new Champions League uh, plans. It is that. It's more games. It's more teams. We, I mean, we mentioned we don't have time. I mean, obviously, you guys mentioned this European conference thing. I've looked into it. It's the most bizarre. I mean, you think the Europa League is bad. I mean, this 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 has got places I've never heard of, countries I've never heard of, let alone <laughs> clubs. It's quite extraordinary. Uh, and we could, uh, well, there's a very good chance we're going to end up in it. And then, wow, I mean, if, if travel comes back, boy, there's some away, get, away, away days for us next season. My goodness, extraordinary. Anyway, John, thank you so much. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Absolute pleasure. Lovely to see you, Simon. Lovely to see you as well. Emmanuel, you. welcome back. I'm glad you're watching Spurs again. Hopefully you could be our lucky mascot on <laughs> Sunday. So. Uh, everyone, enjoy He's the game. He's second team. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Look, Sunday, the sun's going to be shining. There'll be 2,000 of us there. Uh, it's a cup final. It's another major cup final for Tottenham. There hasn't been enough over the years, clearly. Uh, it would be lovely for another glory, glory day at Wembley. Until next week, come on, you Spurs. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. Sports Social Podcast Network.